the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I hope I never get used to uh, no one being here besides the five of us now. Um, we live in uh, fascinating times. And this morning the church puts before us a fascinating figure. St. Mary of Egypt. She is put before us according to the Synaxarian of the church, which is read uh, during the vigil, that St. Mary of Egypt is put before us as an icon of repentance to encourage us as we come around the bend and we see the finish line of Lent, because Lent actually ends this week. Uh, Yes, we continue fasting, <laughs> but Lent does end this Friday uh, as it becomes it turns into Saturday. Uh, the hymns start talking about how we have completed the fast, uh, but on Lazarus Saturday we enter into, uh, and Palm Sunday we enter into the fast of Holy Week and a time of great uh, concentration, great prayer, great vigilance as we accompany our Lord to Jerusalem and then to his cross, to his tomb, and then out from the tomb. St. Mary of Egypt has a fascinating story, and I encourage you this last email that I sent out this week uh, to read the life of St. Mary of Egypt as we were unable to read it here in the church as we normally do this past week. The life of St. Mary of Egypt as a model of repentance. I want to relate just the very beginning facts of her life. St. Mary, of course, as her, uh, the title given to her uh, tells us, she's from Egypt. And she grew up there and very early in her life fell into serving the flesh rather than the spirit. Serving the flesh uh, specifically through fornication through sexual relations with those that she was not to have sexual relations with. And in fact, that is how she made her living. And beyond that, she grew to enjoy it so much so that it wasn't even just as a way of making a living, it became a way of life for Mary. She went from party to party. She indulged in the flesh. And at some point, she hears about a party uh, that's going to be had in Jerusalem. Well, at least she thought it was going to be a party. And she decides that she's going to go for the feast of the exaltation of the cross in Jerusalem. And so she gets on a boat and she heads to Jerusalem. When she reaches Jerusalem, and of course along the way her life has not changed whatsoever. She continues to indulge in the flesh she gets to Jerusalem and she sees all the pilgrims there as they are flocking into the church to see the cross, to worship God, to gather together as the people of God. And Mary of Egypt, as she has throughout the rest of her life, uh, believes that she can uh, do as she pleases and she tries to enter the church. Notice, tries. Mary of Egypt famously cannot enter the church. At first, she thinks 
that is because of the crowd or maybe because she's not strong enough. If you've ever been in a huge crowd, maybe leaving a big football game or something like that, uh, it can, if you get into those tight spots, you're stuck. <laughs> you can't really get anywhere. So she thinks maybe that's what the problem is. So she tries again. She can't get inside. She tries again. She can't get inside. And she starts to think maybe it's not just because there's too many people coming in. Maybe there's something else going on here. I believe she tries three or four times to enter into the church. And every time, some invisible force does not allow her to cross the threshold into the church. We're in a fascinating time of God's providence uh, keeping many of us, most of us, away from the church. Even for those who are here this morning, we are only able to do a bare skeleton of services even. God's providence has ordained it this way. Just as in Mary's attempt to enter into the church, God's providence, God keeps her from going into the church. Notice that at first she blames all the folks around her. And it's very easy for us in this time to look at all of the situation around us and to blame all of the hustle and bustle, all the people. Oh, maybe there was somebody saying, oh, if you get into this line, this is the fa faster way in. We can get through this. You can get into the church. She looks around, but she still cannot enter in. To this point, she realizes that although she desires to enter the church, God has her outside. In the life of St. Mary, she goes to an icon of the Theotokos. And unbeknownst to me, this icon is actually still in Jerusalem and still outside of the church where Mary comes before another Mary and she pleads before the Theotokos. And what does she plead before the Theotokos? She does not complain. She does not wonder why she's in this situation. She understands completely what has been barring her from the church. For Mary, she realizes that she has not even begun to repent, that her life has been in complete following, uh, dedicated to whatever she desired, whatever her flesh dictated. She was a slave to the flesh. And because of her enslavement, she is unable to enter into the church. We are at a time, brothers and sisters, where we are unable to enter into the church. And we can look around to those uh, around us, we can even blame the, the bishop, the clergy, uh, the president, the civil authorities. I mean, go down the list. Uh, we can blame China. We can blame etc., etc., etc. But it seems to me, in the same way that it seemed to Mary of Egypt, that there is a particular reason why we are where we're at. And I don't know all of the reasons, but I do know that the particular reason that we can take away from this is that this is a time ordained for us for repentance. 
This is a time, even as a nation, for us to have a chance for a massive realignment in our ideas of what it means to be together as neighbors, what it means to be a human person, what it means to help those, what it means, as we see before our eyes, those who are at the bottom of our society are going to bear the brunt of this as they do not have the money or the ability to uh, put themselves away, lock themselves up into their house and deliver things uh, or have jobs that allow them to do that. We are at a time for us to embrace repentance. Brothers and sisters, I think this time is going to go beyond Lent. And it's going to go beyond Holy Week. And it's going to go beyond Pascha. And this is a time for us specifically to gain the practices that we need to sustain us. Just as she went out into the wilderness, we in the wilderness have to practice uh, vigilance. One of the practices of the church is to hold vigil, to pray the Psalms, to exercise discernment with what we do with our time, to redeem our time, so that when we are able to return to church, to return to Holy Communion, we are ready to give our confession. We are ready to have already firmly have our feet set on a path and direction of repentance. For it is a time for us now, as in the gospel, as Mary did when she turned to Theotokos into our Lord and Savior, of the woman who weeps at the feet of Jesus. This is our time to weep. This is our time to anoint the feet of Jesus with our tears. This is the time dedicated for us to hope to love, to increase our faith, to turn from all the frivolous nature of contemporary life, the speed, the selfishness, and to turn towards God and repent. May God give this time uh, a blessing for all of us as we turn to him with tears, wiping his feet, and giving him glory. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.